welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Mavada, host of the show, and it is show number 242. Happy to be here with you live here on Facebook. Proud member of the Education Podcast Network, Voicehead Radio Canada, iTunes, wherever you are taking in podcasts. I am grateful to be on with you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you're watching the show live, uh, jump in. We like having our guests uh, participate, ask a question, and, and be part of the show. That's one of the things about that makes uh, education leadership beyond unique. Um, and uh, the other thing is amazing guests. And we have another one tonight. We are going to meet Hashim Garrett. Uh, Hashim is a, a original New Yorker now in New Jersey. He has an amazing story to tell. Uh, he has been sharing this with kids in schools. Uh, hello, Mr. Desco. Good to see you. Thanks for tuning in. Um, he has been speaking uh, to schools for a long time now, 20 plus years, uh, sharing his story of hope, positivity, perseverance, and, and decision making. Right. When you're 14, 15, 16 years old and you're making decisions, you know, Hashim is going to share a little bit about how that can really impact your life. Uh, I had a chance to see him uh, last month in Port Jervis, maybe two months ago. Incredible, incredible speaker, incredible connections with our school community. Uh, and grateful to now call Hashim a friend. So grateful to have him on. We'll have we'll bring him in in just a minute. Uh, it is show number 242. I want to uh, thank Havsies Cookies uh, for sponsoring the show. Hasim, I'm going to send you some ha uh, Havsies Cookies. It is now spring, right? The holiday time is coming. Mother's Day, Father's Day, Memorial Day, Summer Day cookout. Uh, Havsies Cookies, great company. They're a local New York company. Uh, they vacuum seal their cookies. And yes, they're half cookies. They're so good, you cut them in half. But uh, uh, David Mafai uh, up in New York making them. So check them out. That discount code is Marada15. You can get your a discount uh, with that Marada15. Check them out. Hazzy'sCookies.com. Amazing cookies. So if you're going to a barbecue, you're going somewhere, you want to, uh, you ship them. He'll he'll send them direct. They'll get there in a couple of days, and they're vacuum sealed, so they are fresh. Uh, and again, Hashim, I know you and your family will appreciate those. All right, the opening concept. The power of names. Uh, I met Hashim when he came to the school, shook his hand. He said, hello, Andrew, nice to meet you. Then I brought him into the classroom, and, and boom, he, he started calling the kids by their names. He'd say, what's your name? And she'd say, Michelle, and, and he'd call her Michelle. Five minutes later, 10 minutes later, 20 minutes, he remembered Michelle, and Mike, and Joe, and Tim, and Marie, and, and, and Sarah. By the end of the class, Hashim knew all the names. And this was day after day. I saw him five days in a row. By the, by the time the week was over, he knew our whole school. He wasn't just a guy that came in and spoke to our kids. He became part of the school community. I was blown away. Blown away. Right. I focus on work, learning people's names. I work at it. It's intentional. I know the power of names. But Hashim had a, a power and a talent that I I never seen. So it made me refocus and re, you know, remember the, about the importance of, of calling people by name. So I constantly, I'm in the diner this morning with my kids. I took them for pancakes. That's a great parenting tip. Take them for pancakes when you can. But again, the waitress's name. Hey, this is Sarah. That was her name uh, this morning. Calling people by their name, recognizing people by their name. So 
important in the work we're doing. And for Hashim and, and my school, it was instant connection. They instantly trusted him. But enough of me talking. Let's bring our guest in today to the program. Hashim, welcome to Education Leadership Beyond. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you. It was a pleasure to meet you. And Hashim, let's let's start with what I was just talking about. Okay. How 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 did you do that? How did you remember, you know, four hundred names over the course of a, a week in school? How, what's your trick? I I wish I had. I wish I could actually say I knew how I how I do it. But um, I've I've learned over time that when I'm able to call a student or a person, if I can recall their name it just seems to really make a connection and i think it was just subconsciously it wasn't like something i actually planned on saying hey you know let's be intentional about remembering somebody's name um but i have found over the years it is a lot better to acknowledge a person by their name as opposed to a u or whatever it just is it becomes a, a deeper connection right and so um, and I find also when I'm in a classroom and I'm talking to students, even though I'm talking to 20, however many students in a classroom, I really want to have a connection with that kid, that young person, that girl, that boy. I really am saying, listen, I'm talking to you and um, you matter. And so that's, I think that's it. That's the benefit of it. But um, it, it never was intentional, you know, um, you know I, I wish I knew how. But, uh, but yeah, it's just because I care, and um, I think it means somebody something to someone else. It certainly means something, and as the principal in the school, it meant a lot to me that you were calling my kids by their name, <laughs> and you made those connections. And and even in the hallway later in the day, you know, mm -hmm. hey Michael, good to see you, uh, mm -hmm. and it, it was amazing. Um, this is Hashim Garrett, friends. Uh, Hashim, if you can introduce yourself to our audience, we're going to get to know you a little bit during the show. Um, but your story, right? Your story resonated. Uh, that that terrible incident uh, when you're 15 years old changed the course of your life forever. Um, if you could give us a brief introduction, Hashim, and we'll get we'll get rolling. Okay, I'll, I'll try to I'll try to uh, emphasize the brief. Okay, um, so I grew up in New York City. And as you mentioned, when I was 15, um, I was shot multiple times and one bullet struck me in the spine and caused me to be paralyzed from the waist down. Um, so fortunately for me, my spinal cord was not severed. So I do have some mobility and some, um, I do have the ability to move my legs a little bit, but I still have to use orthotics um, and I have to use crutches. But so again, so at 15, I was shot and paralyzed. Um, I won't say it was gang related, but it was related. It the 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 cause of it was due to involving myself in criminal activities as a child. And again, for me, it was really like a blessing in disguise, honestly, because the trajectory of where my life was heading and the mindset that I had at that stage of my life, um, it really just it was like a reset for me. Um, you know, sometimes in, in life, things happen to us. Like I knew one day that because of the decisions that I was making as a teenager, as, a, as an adolescent, I knew one day I'm going to die. I knew one day I might go to jail and have people come, you know, whether it was family members or friends or guidance counselors or principals, you know, talk to me. And um, I just was in a really dark place um, and, I, and I really didn't care. 
anymore. Um, and so for me, that it was it was really a blessing in disguise. But I would tell you honestly, the the real pivotal point in my life that changed everything was being in a home witnessing um, a toxic relationship between my mom and her boyfriend. That was the the catalyst to change because I, I literally went from a kid who believed in you know the the Easter Bunny and then Santa Claus and all of that kind of stuff into a kid who was just really afraid, really angry, really confused, and all of the innocence went away. And I just never asked for help, right? I never went to people and just said, hey, I'm confused. I'm scared out of my mind. Um, I'm, I'm worried that my mom's going to die. I'm, all, I'm just, just so afraid, but I just never, ever talked. And so I think that was the, the turning point for me. If I could rewind the hands of time, I would have spoken up more about what I was going through as opposed to pretending and pretending. And so... That was a big thing for me. Yeah. And you're still speaking up today, encouraging the kids. That was a major message to the kids to make those connections and go to those people. Hashim, you, you, you shared about another person was paralyzed by the same person who shot you. And that was a turning point for you also. Mm-hmm. When was it that you said, I'm going to do something here with this? I'm going to. I'm going to make a difference here. Like what, you know, you're, you're 15, you know, you're yeah. recovering, you're 16, you're 17, you know, 17 year olds don't say I'm going to go be a youth motivational speaker, but how, how did it happen for you? So it happened for me. Um, so the shooting took place when I was 15. Um, yes. I, I didn't press charges on the kid who shot me at that time. I was probably a month into my recovery. I was still in a hospital. And the, the detectives came into my room. I'll never forget it. This thing was like a Monday afternoon. It was a nice, bright, sunny day. And they came into my room with their shields hanging around their neck and introduced themselves and identified who they were and said, listen, we caught the kid who shot you. And I refused to press charges because I was like vacillating between being angry and wanting revenge and the cold of the streets, you know, snitch. And so I told the cops, listen, that's not the kid who shot me. And they came in gleefully and happy and they left out cursing me out, Andrew. Literally, they, they were pissed off because they, they were telling me, listen, you know what you want to do? You and your friends are going to go back and retaliate. And and they knew it. And so subsequently, about a week later um, or, or shortly thereafter, a few days later, I get a phone call while I'm laying in that same hospital. And someone says, listen, you know, the kid who shot you just last night, he shot somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe it. And I remember hanging up the phone. And, and they also said, listen, not only did he did this other kid get shot, but he's also paralyzed like you. And I remember just hanging up the phone and, you know, those weren't their words for verbatim, but that was the context. Listen, this happened last night. And only I knew that I I chose not to press charges. And so that really ate me up, right? So I fast forward the story. Um, About three or four years later, um, I'm heading off to high school and I'm 18 or so. And I'm literally the only kid at Rutgers University who has a spinal cord injury. I'm the only kid. There's, I don't see anybody else in 1993 in a wheelchair from left to right. I don't see anybody. And I'm really just struggling with feeling like the oddball out in school. And so I, I'm I'm kind of like dealing with some depression. I don't want to go to class. I didn't know it was depression. I just, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to face the music. I couldn't be around all my peers. So I go home, I get, I get kicked out of school on academic probation because I'm not applying myself. And so I go home and I'm having a conversation with my mother one day. And I said, Ma, 
you know, I'm really messing up. I, I don't know what to do with my life. I just got kicked out of school. And without missing a beat, she says, Hashem, um, go in your room, get on your knees, pray to God, ask him to show you what you're supposed to do with your life. Mm. And so I'm looking at her, I'm 19, and I'm like wondering, why isn't she going to give me some advice? Like, you know, call your academic advisor, something. No, she just says, go and pray to God. And I get in my room and I'll never forget, I closed the door, got out the wheelchair, and I just prayed. I prayed and just said, God, show me. Literally the next day, I get a phone call from an absolute stranger. And she says, um, I heard about you. You used to be a, a patient at uh, outpatient therapy at this rehab facility in New Jersey. And she said, would you like to talk to kids? Mm. And my first question was, are you going to pay me? And she said, yes. She said, I'll give you $50 a day. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. I went, 50 bucks. <laughs> I went out because, right, listen, I'm 19. I'll get kicked out of school. For the last two, three months, all I ate was pizza and McDonald's every day, right? Mm. So I've got nothing but lint in my pockets. And so I go, you know what? I'll go out and I'll do it. No lie, Andrew. I get to the school. The school is not wheelchair accessible. Uh -huh. I've got like five or six ninth grade boys. They come downstairs and they're like, oh, so you're the speaker? I was like, yeah. And they were like, uh, hold on. We're going to run upstairs, see if there's an elevator. No elevator. And the kids said, don't worry. We got you. And they carry me up the stairs in my wheelchair. And they're like, don't worry. We're not going to let anything happen to you. I don't know any of these kids. And I get into this library and I start talking to the kids. And it was literally like the roof opened up. And I was just like, it was like, oh, like this is what I'm supposed to do. Wow. And that was in 1995. And I have been doing that since 1995, since March of 1995. So it was a prayer answer for me. So that's how I got into this line of work. And then, you know, it's just about meeting people. and But that was it. I just prayed and a door opened up and I, I took advantage of it. Yeah, wow. And, and the phone call came literally the next day. The next day. <laughs> oh the next God. day. And I worked with that lady for about six years. And then, and then in 2001, so 95 through 2001, I was traveling and the, the curriculum. So it wasn't, they were saying, listen, we want you to talk to kids, but we don't want you to just say, hey, I got shot. Don't let it happen to you. They were like, listen, there's a violence prevention curriculum from Harvard. We want to fly you out there to Harvard. You're going to learn all about it. You're going to talk to kids about gun violence. You're going to use you as an example of what could happen to you. Yeah. Um, about, you're going to educate them about spinal cord injuries. You're also going to recruit other young people who sustain spinal cord injuries. And that was what I did for six years. And then they, wow. they decided to go in another direction in 2001. And I was like, but I love it. This is what I want to continue to do. And then I started my own company. And yeah. so I've been self-employed as a consultant, as a motivational speaker, life coach since 2001. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I saw Harvard on your website there. Mm -hmm. uh, but Hashim, you just had such a, a way about you. you. Kids wanted to be around you. You were electric. Do you change your presentations, you know, as you're, you're growing into this? You've been doing it 20 plus years. You know, or is it, is it the same message to the to mm -hmm. just a different school? How do you approach each week, each day, each session? Uh, great question. So, no, it's yes and no. So, yes, there are still components of what I learned in 1990, blah, blah, blah. I still use today, but I just add I've added new things to the message. Right. And so 95, it was all about conflict resolution and all of what that curriculum looked like. Then I um, met some people and they flew me out to Colorado and I learned about resilience and um, 
that whole component. And so everything along the way over the last 20 years, the people that I've met, the books that I've, I've read, um, I've just constantly new curriculums, I've just added to it. So no, the, the presentations aren't the same. The only thing that I would say is the same is when they say, um, we don't want to hear about the curriculums. We want to hear your story. The story doesn't change. Yeah. So that's that's the the one part that has been consistent when they say we want to know exactly what happened to you. Can you tell us your story? That part, but then everything else, um, that that's the part that I'm always constantly adding to. Yeah, it is a truly amazing story of your redemption and your resilience. Um, Hashim, I fell six weeks ago and i broke four ribs uh not six even three weeks ago sorry wow. uh and and like I, I i i'm sitting there saying i wish i wouldn't have gone down that road i wish mm. i wouldn't have done this and i'm recovering mm. i'm recovering did you live with regret what was the regret like of i shouldn't have been hanging with those people mm. i shouldn't have gone there i shouldn't have turned and ran you must have replayed this in your head this mm. shooting a million times what does regret mean to you and how did how did you deal with it then and what does it look like now? Well, great question. And I'm sorry to hear that you hurt yourself, brother. You know, Getting so, that, so since better. I saw you, you've been like falling all over the place. What's going on? Take care. Little, of little ice, man. Little okay. ice. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry about that though. Thanks, um, man. Thanks, my friend. Um, so the beating yourself up part. I think so over the years, the forgiveness message is something that I've also been sharing with people. Right. And that that is probably the hardest thing. Right. Is learning how to forgive myself for all of the poor decisions, because the reality is, uh, yeah, I beat myself up over what happened to me on May 7th. Right. Getting shot that day and all of the steps, the things that, oh, I should have did this and I shouldn't have done that. But. I have found that beating up on myself is one so time consuming um, and so unproductive that I try to live by that philosophy. I don't take losses, I take lessons. That's the only hell mm. I'm taking. I don't take losses, I take lessons. What was the teachable moment? If I could say from that situation, I learned something and that I won't repeat it, to me, you know, it's not so much about redemption, but more about repentance, you know, about really just saying from a real spiritual place, like, I'm really sorry that I didn't take heed to those, those warnings, but I learned and I, and I don't plan on going back and doing that again. Right. And so, um, the forgiveness component of just saying, yeah, that, that was a bonehead decision, but how can I do better tomorrow? Right. And Thank you that I have another day to try to make amends and try my best to focus on the positives, right? So I'll give you an example. I remember a few years ago, my wife and our two children, we were, at, we were in Jamaica. We were on a resort and I'm sitting on the, sitting on the beach on one of those, you know, those chairs, those deck chairs and you're laying there. And I'm looking at my little, at the time, my son was like two or three and he's playing in the water. And all he wants daddy to do is come play with him in the water. And I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm basically stuck to this chair. I can't, but I, and in that moment, I mean, the sun is beating down. I'm looking at my wife and she's playing with the children. And I, I literally just hugged my head down, hung, hung my head down low 
I had a pity party for a second. Then I lifted mm. my head back up and I said, be grateful because you almost didn't have a chance to even see this. You almost didn't have a chance to experience this. So I had to rehearse to myself, what are the things I'm grateful for in this moment? Because if I don't, I'm going to let this whole the experience of being in Jamaica, I'm going to let this draw me and pull me down to a dark place. So you got to lift your head up and say, I'm grateful. Wow. And, and find something to be grateful for in this moment. All right. My, I had to teach my daughter and my son how to ride a bike. I'm in a wheelchair. We're going to figure this out because I'm, I don't want to beat myself up. I've got to find something to be grateful for. So that's the, the part that I've tried to do. Take, I don't take a loss and I don't take the, I'm not taking a loss. I'm taking a lesson. I'm learning from this. And also at the same time, find something to be grateful for. Yeah. Self-talk is so important uh, with what we're telling ourselves. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Hashim, uh, you know, educators got to present each day, right? Each day is a lesson. A principal is presenting to your staff. You know, what is your preparation? You know, you were coming into Port Jervis. You had been there before. You know, is that a reflection in your car? Is that Sunday night, you in your office at home? What is, how do you prepare for those sessions uh, going into these different places? You know, I, I'm winging it. I'm, I'm, I'm really winging it. I mean, I have all of this, I, everything is here. I already know, but I find myself just saying, be open, be receptive because um, it can't, it's not rehearsed, right? The only thing that's consistent is really the story, but just saying, I'm going to meet some new kids today. I'm going to meet some new people today. And it's really about just being open to, for this whole experience. Right. And so even doing this for 20 years, I don't want to come in there like, Oh, Hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Just like turn your energy up and, and bring it right. And be, and be extremely present. Um, all of those kids that are in front of me because i know they're all going through something and so just wing it and you're gonna you're gonna so i, I try not to have you know stuff to be too premeditated yeah. right but just get ready and be ready to be used right because i'm here for a reason there's a reason why example there's a reason why i'm here at port jervis this morning i don't understand it in this moment but i'll figure it out as the day is going on Right. And so that's what it's just really about being present and just say, um, you don't have to figure it out. Things will become crystal. They'll become crystallized for you as the day goes on. Yeah. You know? And you you were so present. And again, going back to the names, remembering the names. I mean, sometimes, again, a speaker comes and it's just such a such a disconnect. It's like, oh, my God, you know like a blind date whereas those kids were they loved you the staff people were asking for coverage so they can go be with you and hear you and it was just ah we loved it i loved hearing you and your message and you were present you did that so you hit the mark uh uh with us mm -hmm. i see my message is surviving and thriving you know people mm -hmm. are struggling with different things and uh you literally went from surviving to surviving, literally. Um, what would be your one word? What would be your one mindset, your one message, Survi surviving, blank, thriving? What would that be for you? Great question. Um, thankfulness, you know, just really being so 
thankful. Um, I think for me, I, I, I remember being in a hospital and learning that I'm not gonna walk again and things will never be the same. But as long as I focused on me and I focused on the negative, I, it, it, it was extremely difficult to find, well, what's the good in all of this? Where's the good, right? Where's that, where, that, that concept of stop and smell of roses? Where's, where's the light at the end of the tunnel? What, where, where, where do I get that strength? And so for me, it has always just been, just be thankful. Be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for today. Be, th be thankful that you know what you can't move your your legs, but you can move your arms. You know what? Be thank like if you if there's an old saying that your 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 attitude will determine your altitude, mm -hmm. right? And if I have a positive attitude, um, that's all I have control over. That's all I have. I can't control what happened yesterday. I can't control what's gonna happen tomorrow. I can't. The only thing I can control is how I am dealing with this situation. And yeah. if, if that's up to me, then I'm going to be appreciative for this moment, you know? And you, you know, when I met you, you were walking with, oh, mm -hmm. I don't want to use the wrong words, it crutches with, with assistance. Yep. But when mm -hmm. did you, when, how, how did you move from the wheelchair to that? Was it the braces? How did you learn? How did you make that advancement? Yikes. Well, that, that wasn't easy. I mean, I still use it interchangeably. Like I was telling you when we, you were walking me to my car that day, and I appreciate it. And I, I really want to say I thank you for um, all your hospitality. I thank you for bringing the tea in that day. I, I thank you for the T-shirt. I thank you for walking with me to the car. Like, and, and just, you know, the advice that you gave me while we sat, sat, sat stood by the car. And you, you gave me some really, really... Um, some some words that I had to really meditate on about the book and you know so and you didn't have to do that right and you you took the time to not just come to one presentation but two of them and just sat there right and so um, I'm extremely thankful for that and that meant a lot to me and so um, but as far as the crutches in the wheelchair when I first was injured right that was the I tried so hard to not to use those crutches because to me, it just was the symbolization of being disabled. Like the wheelchair was one thing because I could push as fast as I, I wanted to and I could just zoom past people, right? I could zoom past the stairs, but the crutches, I had to absorb it, mm. right? And, 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 and so that was part of me, you know, again, being in college, I was like, I got to use the crutches. They're all going to be staring at me. Um, I'll never forget when I first was learning how to use the crutches, I was 16 years old and um, I would have therapy three days a week, uh, probably about for two or three hours. And every day I would come home from therapy. My mother would say, I didn't see any therapy. I didn't go with you. We have to go walking outside. And I remember I had a walker and I had two long leg braces and your legs are kind of like moving like this because you can't bend them. And I remember I was 16 and I'm taking my little steps and taking my little steps and my mother's walking next to me and all of a sudden i just stopped and i said ma i'm gonna kill myself ah! and the words came out and i i mean i had been feeling that way but just like 16 years old Andrew, yeah. and i can't walk and i'm using crutches like like i'm not 90 i'm not 100 plus but like and they had 90 olds and they're not doing this and i'm like this sucks and i took my step and i said what i said and i looked back 
And the same sound you gave was the facial expression that my mother gave. And yeah. when I saw her look, I was like, oh, oh, ish. Like, I didn't realize how devastating those words were to her. Mm. And I was like, I'll never say that again. Right. And, um, but I guess it was important for me to say it. And it was important for me to see that look and to see what kind of damage I would have done if I ever thought about going through with that. And um, so again, to answer the, the, the wheelchair and the crutches, I use it interchangeably. Um, and um, I know it, they, they mean something to somebody. It's bigger than just me, yeah. you know? It means something to somebody. I'm inspiring someone when they see me. They're just like, how do you keep doing it, man? You know, and so I wrote on the screen here, inspiration to many. Yeah. Hashim, you know, I'm 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 a science teacher by trade, my family mm. science. I watched 60 Minutes last week. They were showing about uh the hands of um uh replacement hands. What's mm. the word I am uh, escaping me? Is there an advancement for you? Is there something in technology that is still they're still coming your way that there could be a change here, or is this definitely it? your your movement uh you know for, for your life here or is there a chance that something could grow regrow relearn something yeah no i mean i i want to be as optimistic as the next person but I'm, I'm a realistic at heart this is it you know this is it and so i gotta make the most out of this right so this is it well, you were moving good and looking good when I saw hey, you. Hey, I gotta, I gotta try, man. <laughs> looking good. The kid said you had the drip, man. That's <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. uh, if our friends watching live, you want to jump in uh, with a question for Hashim, uh, uh, yeah, we would definitely bring you in the show. I appreciate uh, friends tuning in. Hashim, you know your website, your information is below here, but you've partnered up with a special woman, uh, the boss of your family. There, she got you queued up here, technology. Yes. Um, but you are bringing a message of hope. You're doing some things. You're doing some life coaching. Tell me yeah. a little bit about you and your wife's business here uh, and, and how that can help other people. Sure. Um, so my wife and I, Maya, uh, we've been married for going on 13 years now, uh, 2010. And so we have a, uh, a program that we do together. We just started doing this really about the last two or three years after the 2020, just a month or two before the pandemic really just talking to um adults and, and young people about mental health about resilience um just showing them what um uh, a counterculture family could look like right so we we know that there are some families that they are a blended families right um but then there are also some families where there are people with a disability and there's still somebody out there loving them right and um even with all our imperfections Right? And so a lot of people will say, oh, my gosh, like, you know, you're a strong woman for being with Hashem. And then sometimes she, she'll stop them and go, but you don't know the wounds that I carry. Right. So you, you, you might just be judging a book by its cover saying, but you know, maybe he has to deal. There's a lot that comes with her that I have to deal with. But it's just about that empathy for one another. Um, and so, yeah, so we've been doing a lot of presentations. We were just at a school in New Jersey at Wayne. And so at a high school, I spoke to about 2,000 students. Mm. That, that was a really fun time, Passaic County Technical Institute, Wayne. So good pronunciation really of Passaic? Huh? Good, good pronunciation yeah. of Passaic? Yeah. Yep, Passaic. <laughs> I hope I got it right. Yep. So that was that was a good time. And so that's what we've been doing, is just really trying to, you know, share this message of 
what resilience looks like, what mental health, what, what um, compassion. Um, and so she has a phenomenal message. She's a, she's a nurse. She's also, a, she has her own hairstyling business. And so we also have two children. And so, uh, yeah, but definitely, I would love for people to take a look at the website and don't hesitate to reach out. Yeah, and it's scrolling there below, um, you know, uh, and, and their, their services. Uh, but that message is tremendous. Uh, and again, seeing you firsthand, Hashim, uh, was, was awesome. Hashim, was there something I did not ask you that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, Miss Tedesco has a question. Do you think you ever go back to school and finish your degree? I am actually in the process of finishing up my associates now. Uh, so I've got like one more month left and that's done. I just got reaccepted into Rutgers. So I'm going back in September. Uh, you know, initially, you know, my mother was telling me to do this for the last 20 years. But I was like, no, my watch, I'm going to prove you wrong. I don't need it. And then after the pandemic, I realized um, I need the, I need more tools. I need more tools, right? And so before I was just so bent on, I don't need the degree, but I need the tools to help people. Yeah. Right? And um, always listen to mom. Yes. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Tedesco. Yeah, you are 100% you're, you're spot on with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they never steer you wrong. Um, but yeah, so I'm back in school and I'm sorry, I looked at the chat. So what was the question? Again? Yeah, no, she just asked about going back to school and then yeah. you're getting your degree. And, yeah. That's, yeah. and that's great. Another point of inspiration from you. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. But um, I think the only thing that I want to leave you guys with before I go is I got to tell you my story. Right? I don't think I do. I have like five minutes. Will you listen? We, we, you, you roll, man. Let's roll. Okay. All you right. So, um, so what happened is I, it was May 7th. I really hate to say the date because then I got to start aging myself, but it was 1990. All right. I'm a, I think I'm a, amongst adult people. So, um, so it's 1990. It was May 7th. And at that time, I was just making a lot of poor decisions, really confused, really angry you know, wanting to be something that I'm not. And so my mom and dad, they had you know, they came together and said, listen, we need to relocate you kid because you're out of control. You're hanging out with the wrong kids. And so it was a group of kids that I was hanging out with at that time. I was 15, they were 19 and 20. Mm. And so my mother said, listen, those kids right there, I get a bad feeling in my stomach. I don't like you being with those kids. And so I'm like, okay, mom, whatever, you know, not listening to mom. And so what happened was, my mother and dad said it's time that we're going to relocate we were moving to atlanta georgia in three days so it's monday again may 7th about 7 30 in the evening i get a knock on the door i've been in the house all day because i know three days from now i'm moving to atlanta georgia i'm not excited about it but we're going to be moving everything in the house is all boxed up in u-haul boxes and um, i go to the door and i go outside with my so-called friends right not real friends and they say, listen, why don't you come out? You've been in the house all day. Little did I know that they knew I would, they knew I was going to be moving, but you know, that lifestyle, some kids don't always want you to leave. They don't want to see you get that, that, that fresh start. So they asked me to go outside and I'll go out with them. We walk up to a corner. It's about six of us. No words exchanged. We're not arguing. Um, but one thing I will say in the backstory about all of this is I wasn't listening to them anymore. Right. And I began to say, what they say is one of the hardest words to say in the English language, which is no, 
You know, when I first started hanging with them, if they said jump, I jumped. If they said go hit that kid, I hit him. They said go steal, I stole. As time went on, I started saying no, and one of them didn't like it. Mm. So we're walking up to this corner, no words exchanged. Right around the corner from where we live at, I get up there to this next block. And as we're standing there, all of a sudden, they all say, listen, we're going to go to the store for a few minutes. We're going to the store. We'll be right back. And it seemed like everything stood, time stood still for a second. And they go across the street to the store. And I'll never forget, Andrew, the last words that I remember saying before I got shot was, I'm on top of the world. And before I knew it, I'm watching this kid walk down the block. He's walking towards me. And he's making eye contact with me. But there are a lot of people outside. So I'm not paying too much attention to it. It's Brooklyn and it's not a lot of, you know, so everybody's outside. And the kid walks past. And as soon as he walks past, I remember just kind of glancing, you know, but I don't see him now. And within a second or two, I hear somebody yell and they go, look out. They say, look out, run. And I take off and I'm running as fast as I can. And as I'm running, all of a sudden, something inside said, you should just peek to see what exactly you're running from. And when I looked over my shoulder, the kid who walked past me is now standing behind me with a submachine gun. And um, I continued to run. And all of a sudden, I remember looking down at my jeans and I'm wondering why they're making this funny, weird movement. Why are my jeans moving like this? Bang, something hard hits me in the back. The funny movements that I saw my jeans making were bullets going through the back of my legs, exiting out of the front of my jeans. And the bullet that struck me in the, that, that part phone I felt in the back was a bullet striking me in my spine, paralyzing me instantly. So the kid, he runs off, I'm laying there, I can't move, and I'm hearing the gunfire, and all of a sudden, you know, as I'm listening to the gunfire, I remember just kind of putting my head down, thinking if I move, this kid is gonna walk up to me and kill me. And within a few seconds, the gunfire stopped. And I look around and everybody's gone, and I start calling out to my so-called friends, and I'm going, yo, I got shot, I got hit. And so one or two of them come back and they're trying to lift me up, but I can't move. And, you know, one's got me under one arm, other one's got me under the arm. They said, come on, let's go. And literally my legs are just dangling. And they said, leave them. And they put me on the ground. And I always tell kids, it's not like what you see on the movies. There's none of that, you know, come, I got you. None of that stuff. They just left me for dead. Wow. And as I'm laying on the ground, I, everybody's gone. And I remember I looked up in the sky and I just said, God, please don't let me die. And as soon as the words off my tongue, I felt peace. And um, I waited and I waited and I waited. And as I waited outside for about, it felt like an eternity, it was probably about 20 minutes. And uh, most people don't know, right? When a person is shot by law, even if we pick up the phone and say, hey, somebody was just shot by law, first the police have to arrive. They in turn secure the scene. Then the police contact the EMS workers. So you gotta wait for the police. The police come, they say it's safe. Then you gotta wait for the ambulance and wait and wait. And I'm waiting out there and I'm bleeding profusely out of all of these holes. I've got entry wounds and exit wounds and shot multiple times. Um, and I don't tell kids anymore how many times I've been shot because they only remember that. And I don't want them to remember that. Yeah. And so, cause I don't want them to glorify it. And so I'm leading, I'm laying in, I'm bleeding and I'm bad in bad shape. Um, and I remember as I laid outside Andrew, the only thing I could, the only thing I kept thinking about was my mother. I kept wondering, um, I hope I get a chance to fill her soft hands one more time. Mm. Now, mind you, the police are out there. They've got the caution tape up, telling everybody, get back, get back, give them some air, get back, move, everybody back. And I'm just laying there on the ground. Uh, and I remember thinking, if I do die, I hope I get a chance to die in her soft arms, uh, die in her arms. I, I just, I could not get it off my mind. 
And uh, the irony of the story is at that stage in my life, she was the last person that I wanted around me because I'm hanging outside, I'm with the fellas, I'm with the guys. But as I was dying, I just could not get off my mind. So eventually the EMS workers do arrive, young white guy jumps out the ambulance, him and his partner, and the young EMS worker is talking to me and he's saying, you know, what's wrong? I said, I can't move my legs. And he says, don't worry, we're gonna get you to the hospital. And I remember I was tapping him because I said, listen, I'm having a hard time breathing. I'm literally like just laying there trying to catch my breath, right? And um, he says, don't worry, I'm going to give you some oxygen. He goes into his bag of equipment, puts the oxygen mask on my face. And he's like, how do you feel? And I'm like, I could breathe. Thank you. And uh, now he's telling me everything what he's got to do. So him and his partner, they go, lift up your neck. And they put this hard brace around my neck. And then they take the board and he tucked the board underneath me and he rolled me on the board and they put that board on the stretcher. And now they're putting me into the back of the ambulance. And when I get on the stretcher, they say, put your arms over your hands, on your body, just like such. And as they're putting me into the ambulance, I'm, I can see people outside and the ambulance doors closed. I'm looking up and we're inside the ambulance, the lights are there and I'm so happy. And I remember thinking as they closed the ambulance doors, my sneakers were gone. I saw I had brand new white socks on. The first thing I remember thinking as they're putting me into the ambulance, as I put my head on the, on the stretcher was, my mom's gonna be proud of me. I got clean socks on, she's gonna be proud of me. Because my mother used to always say, wear clean underwear, wear clean socks, because you never know what's gonna happen to you. And so when I saw those socks, I was like, she's gonna be proud of me. And so now they rushed me to the hospital and he's talking to me, the young white EMS worker. And he's saying, how old are you? What grade are you? What school do you go to? And I'm trying to talk and you know, I'm 15. Every now and then he would pepper in, don't go to sleep, just stay with me. Don't go to sleep, stay with me. And now he's talking, you know, what grade, what school? And I'm, woo, 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 sirens. I can feel them moving back and forth. And I, I all I want to do is I'm going to talk to him, but I'm just going to keep my eyes closed. I'm talking. I'm 15. And the sleep is getting nice and comfortable, Andrew. I mean, it's, you know, I'm getting comfortable. And um, he's saying, don't go to sleep. And now he starts yelling to the driver and he's telling the driver, he's going, I'm losing him, I'm losing him. And he was saying, I can't get his BP, I'm losing him. Um, and instantly it was as if I could hear my voice and my voice kept saying the same thing again and again. And it kept going, I should have been a better person. I should have been a better person. And it was as if somebody stuck a vacuum underneath the ambulance because in a split second, my soul just got sucked out of my body. As soon as my soul got sucked out of my body, I could see everything in the ambulance. I could see my body in the ambulance. I could see the mask. I can see the EMS worker, he's to my right. Now I'm looking at the bottom of the ambulance. I can see outside and my soul is going down into this dark place. And as soon as, as, soon as my soul stopped, I looked to my left and it was a long dark tunnel. And I turned and looked to my right, a long dark tunnel, but right in front of me in this dark, scary room with these two doors and something was telling my soul, go that way towards the doors. And um, as I got closer towards the doors, I remember I was gonna go to the left door I'm about to go through the doors and I hear my mother's voice. I didn't, unbeknownst to me, she was in the ambulance at that time. And uh, she's she's yelling and she's going, I told him to take out the garbage. I told him to wash the dishes. I told him to take the movies back. I told him, I told him. And she's just crying hysterically, right? And I remember about to go through the door, but I just said, mom, be quiet. I'm trying to go to sleep. And as soon as I remember thinking it, my soul goes back into my body. I open my eyes. I'm looking at the EMS worker. He's looking at me and he starts yelling to my mother. And he goes, I got him, mommy. I got him, mommy. Just keep yelling at him. You just keep yelling at him. I got him. Just keep yelling at him. Wow. And they rushed me to the hospital. Wow. Um, a lot of painful procedures. And it was during that time I laid in the hospital and I just kept, I just kept saying, why me? 
Why me? Why did I have to get paralyzed? I understand why I got shot. I did bad things and bad things happen when we make poor decisions. And um, I just kept saying, why me? But the irony of the story is, I still say, why me today? But now it's so interesting The why me has changed because I no longer say why me from the victim standpoint, but now I say why me that I'm so blessed to be able to say, hey, I, I travel and I talk to kids and I've got my own children. Um, I've got a wife who loves me. I, I feel like, I'm, like I, I've am like i got a purpose, And but it's so weird. It's the same why me though, but it's no longer why me am I paralyzed. It's almost now it's like, why me am I so blessed? I don't deserve it. I, I, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. And so it goes back to just being so thankful. You know, I'm really, really just grateful. Um, I kind of live by this one saying. I heard it a few years ago and I live by this. It's, a, it's an old African proverb and it goes like this. The one who plants the tree does not get to enjoy its shade. You know, and that's that's my goal is I'm just trying to plant the trees and I know I won't be able to stick around to see the fruition of the fruit of my labor, but my goal is to plant the tree, you know? And so I'm just trying to do the, the best that I can with the time that I'm given, you know, because I don't deserve it. My friend, that was so powerful, so powerful. Uh, God bless you, and and you do deserve it because you're doing amazing things uh, with kids today, with schools today. There's so much negativity out there about uh, schools and um, all these things. And yeah, Michelle, powerful indeed, for sure. Um, Hashima, I'm grateful for you sharing your story. I'm grateful for you coming on. I'm grateful for you coming to Port Jervis. Um, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you uh, to, to everyone out there. You know, I really thank you, Andrew. I want to say uh, happy Passover to everyone. Happy Easter. Um, and I, I thank you for this opportunity. Really, um, I really appreciate it. And so I already said thank you for taking the time out the other day. Thank you for inviting me to this platform. Uh, and uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank if you're you, looking, oh, thank you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my friends from Port Jervis, Michelle's a superintendent in New York. She'll have to get you up to her school. Hashim, I'm going to skip the rapid fire because uh, it is not right fitting right in this moment. But that quote, again, I love to end on a quote. Can you say it one more time about the, the tree? Yeah, sure. The one who plants the tree does not get to enjoy its shade. Yeah, and so well, it's about us doing something for the next generation. Well, you're doing it. You're planting those trees. You're planting them. You planted them in my students in Port Jervis. So I'm grateful, uh, friends. This is Hashim Garrett. Uh, his website is listed there below, HashimGarrett.com. Uh, uh, his email is there. Highly recommend him as a student speaker, a staff speaker. Uh, and Hashim, let's continue to get your story out there. Thank you, thank you again, Andrew. And however I can help, I'm sure I can't, but if I can help, and you know, I looked at March Madness the other day, and I was looking at all of the referees. I was like, no, okay, no, you know? no yelling at them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have a different perspective now. But, that's uh, right. That's right. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. You know? Right back at you. You stay in the line a second, Hashim. We're going to end the program here. It was show number two forty-two. 
Uh, thank you for uh, tuning in live here. If I can help you in any way, I'm at Andrew Murata 21 on Twitter. We're going to get Hashim going on Twitter a little more. Uh, but again, his information is scrolling below. Happy Easter to everyone. Happy Passover. And uh, Hashim, again, thank you for your story. Thank you very much, Andrew. All right. Stay on the line. We're going to tune out here, friends. Keep surviving and thriving. Keep rolling on your journey.